G'day and welcome to AOS Coach. In this video, I'm going to look at White Dwarf 473's expansion into the Beast of Chaos Battle Tome. Now, when I say expansion, I really mean game changer because I'm officially legitimately scared of the Beast of Chaos now because no longer will I rock up to the table overly confident against my Brayherd friend because truly it is goat time. Inside this Tome Celestial, you'll find background lore, you'll find some rules for open play, path to glory, and match play, which, by the way, are tournament legal if you're taking the match play rules. Specifically to match play, you're going to get an update to the Herdstone Allegiance terrain piece, you're going to get a new grand strategy, you'll get three battle tactics for Beasts of Chaos, and most excitingly is some additional battle traits, which are five monstrous rampages to add in addition to whatever is in the battle plaque you're playing in. There are no additional core battalions or any other war scroll changes, so if you're hoping that the Saigor would get rewritten, unfortunately it doesn't, but you are going to get some monstrous rampages that we'll look at a little bit later. But hey, let's crack into it and have a look at exactly what you get with this issue 473. I'll start with the Herdstone because not only has it received a significant war scroll boost, but it will also add context to the changes that are coming as well. Now, the setup and the impassable rules really are no different. So if you've been playing with Beats of Chaos in third edition, it's literally the same. I couldn't notice any differences and it's on screen for anyone who needs that reminder. Entropic Lodestone improves the Ren characteristic of melee weapons used by all friendly Beats of Chaos units on the battlefield by one. Now, starting from the third battle round, you get to actually increase that Ren characteristic to, by two as opposed to one. So this is a massive change when you think about the prior version, right? The prior version used to start at six inch range and it would never increase the save more than minus one. It has been slightly reworded. The old Herdstone would reduce the save characteristic by one, while this is impacting your units by increasing the Rend by one. Kind of same, same, but a little bit different. But more importantly, it never kind of increased to a minus two. Now, just think of the impacts of this on a war scroll level when it gets to, say, turn three. Your Bulgors with great axes will have Ren minus four. Your Bestigors will go up to Ren minus three. Your Beast Lord with six attacks with Ren three. And it'll also give plus one to wound with those Brayherd units if it's wholly within 18 and the Beast Lord has gone out and killed. That Chaos Gargant that you've been thinking about would have a headbutt of a Rend minus five doing six damage if it was unwounded. And then your Gorgon, seriously, if you think of your Gorgon with the blades, where it would have up to five attacks, Rend minus three, three damage east. And this is just to name a few. And I haven't even mentioned things like the spells like um, Tendrils or Sundering Blades that would then potentially get up to like a Rend minus seven, I don't know, Chimera. Like, absolutely ridiculous when you think of the safe stacking potential that is currently in the game with Mystic Shield and uh, their finest hour and cover and all the other things you can do to safe stack. You are going to cut through armor saves like it is a hot knife through butter. Now, the other ability on the Herdstone is Locus of Savagery. And after you set up the terrain feature, it's going to have a range of 12. So unlike the Entropic Lodestone, which ha doesn't have a range, the Locus of Savagery does have a range. So it starts off with a 12-inch bubble, which is a bit more generous from the last one. However, after each battle round, so at the start of each battle round, so say two, three, four, it's going to increase the range by six. So essentially, the bubble is going to increase as the, t as the game goes on. Now, 
what's going to happen if you are wholly within the bubble is that friendly base of chaos units that are wholly within the bubble um they are going to have the models that are removed from battle shock so in the previous version of the war scroll it would just make you battle shock immune in this case it is just going to reduce the amount of models that you lose so you kind of lose there a little bit but there's an extra rule that's probably worth calling out that might make you a little bit more favorable and that extra rule is if a friendly beast of chaos unit is wholly within the range of the terrain feature so again that extending range what happens is if you go for the rally command so normally you would roll the dice uh, for every model that was slain and on a six you would bring that model up you wouldn't heal a wound you'd bring back a model so it happen on multi-wound models as well your bull gores uh your dragon ogres you know your best of gores you know it doesn't have to be your gores or ungores but anyway what happens here is if you are in that bubble of the locusts of savagery you would return a model on a four plus instead of a six plus which is pretty cool i haven't seen a way to get that down even further than four plus but knowing that you can do basically a 50 50 chance statistically that's pretty sexy from the locusts of savagery I think the Locust of Savagery is going to feel like it's going to hurt a little bit because it no longer provides the Battleshock immunity that you were used to. Now, yes, it does reduce the impacts of a failed Battleshock test, and there's less ways to do things like Inspiring Presence. So your models, as you already know, uh, you don't need me to tell you this, but your uh, bravery is quite low already. So it might make you reconsider taking those large blocks of troops with those low bravery instead you might be looking at either you know single or you know very small units that you won't have to rely on um battle shock and maybe it's more about multiple waves of small units that um you know go through and it's just like layer and layer of bodies as to big blocks of gauze or ungauze or besticles or you know um multiple units of you know chaos hounds whatever it might be but you know that you might think about this on the way you construct your list now now, the counter argument would be that you get a higher rate of return by being able to rally a big block of, I don't know, gore or ungore or something, you know, some type of large block. And that might give you far greater value on a, a, a command point by getting them back on a four instead of a six. However, you might realize that actually, you know, bringing back a, a bull gore or bringing back a dragon ogre or bringing back something that is a hard hitting shock troop or an anvil or something that's going to give you far greater value on the table would be worth more in the rally as opposed to trying to bring back this horde of 30, like I said, gore or ungore. There's one new grand strategy to choose from for Beast of Chaos, and that is Protect the Herdstone. So the way you score this grand strategy is at the end of the battle, you complete it if there are no enemies within nine inches of your Herdstone, and it hasn't been picked to be successfully smashed by uh, Smash to Rubble throw. Some monster has not gotten into your Herdstone and smashed it to rubble. Okay, sounds cool. This is a great grand strategy to choose from because it offers you two chances to deny your yourself from losing it, right? First off, your opponent needs to get through your deployment zone and with a monster, choose Smash to Rubble over monstrous rampages like Stomp, Roar, Titanic Duel. So it means that should a monster break through your lines, a monster hero or a monster, it means that it would be less focused to your troops which means that you've got a better chance to potentially kill because they're focusing on the herdstone as opposed to your troops. 
The other element to this is the fact that you can stop your opponent from just being within nine inches of the Hearthstone at the end of the game. You know, using cheap screens like Gore or Ungore to protect the Hearthstone and, you know, really think about using those high rendered attacks that you now earn um, to pull down those monsters. And if you think about maybe just the way that you are, are positioning the Hearthstone, maybe don't put it in the middle of the thick of the battle, ready for someone to charge up your line and just try to smash it on a double turn. Um, I think you could easily accomplish this one because majority of the things that are going to deep strike and come in from reserve are highly unlikely to be monsters, but do keep in mind things like your uh, Stormcast Dragons, and there are some highly mobile monsters on small bases that could get into your line. So keep that in mind. It's not completely impossible to, to not lose, but uh, it's, it's certainly a good one and a good alternative if you don't want to pick Hold the line, pillars of faith, you know, all the other ones available to us. Not that you'd probably pick pillars of faith. Do you even have a priest? There are three new battle tactics to choose from in addition to the ones in your battle pack, whatever you're playing, Gurish Heartlands, the core book, whatever it might be. In the shadow of the Herdstone, you pick one enemy unit within nine inches of the Herdstone, and you complete the battle tactic if you destroy that unit in this turn which I think is a great battle tactic when you think about your opponent trying to bring in some units um, that are potentially going to be around the Hearthstone. Should someone bring a unit in from reserve, let's say Canari, Shadow Warriors, just to name a couple, if they come in and try to score uh, from the objective and your Hearthstone might be near an objective, this could be an easy 5 to 10 wounds you could possibly kill. If an enemy happens to breach your lines with, let's say, a monster, and you are defending your opponent from using Smash to Rubble, especially if you pick that grand strategy. Um, this would also be a good tactic because it kind of aligns to the goals that you're already trying to, to achieve. Protect the Hearthstone, kill units that are near the Hearthstone. Now, Fury of the Wild can only be picked in the first turn. So keep that in mind, only turn one. Now you complete this battle tactic if the model picked to be your general and two other friendly models that are Beasts of Chaos are within three inches of an enemy at the end of this turn. This one is incredibly situational and it will work well if your opponent has taken the top of turn one and they've raced up the board. They've got like Iron Jaws, Suns, um, Beast Claw Raiders, you know, a number of armies that want to get up into the middle of the board as quick as possible. Or they've made to maybe they've tried to charge you in turn one and they happen to have either landed the charge or they're close to and you can charge them quite easily. Now, the question that I have for you if, before you pick this one is, do you want to be putting your your hero, your general, and a bunch of troops into combat so soon compared to holding back till, so say, turn three, or at least, you know, wait, not waiting for your general to be in combat until it's gained the uh, additional plus two rend benefits. So that's really up for debate. I guess it depends on who is your general. Is it a beast lord? Is it going to be a doom bull? You know, who is your general and are they combatty and tanky enough that you want to be putting them into combat uh, in turn one? And I guess, who are the opponents that are in your face? Is it just a cheap screen? Yeah, cool. That's great. If it's going to be like some super tanky hero, maybe not. Wrath of the Warped Wilds allows you to pick one objective that your opponent controls. Now, you're going to score this one if you control that objective and it is contested by some units that you've summoned on from Primordial Call Battle Trait. So essentially, if you are trying to summon on a unit from the Primordial Call with the Battle Trait, 
it's going to be quite hard to successfully potentially well first off your objective is not going to be in range of summoning from the primordial call given that you've got to come on what from six inches from the table edge um so you're relying on charging from the side of the board so you're looking at a nine inch charge should you be thinking about i don't know summoning on a bunch of troops and then sneaking on and stealing it from your opponent now your razor gores and your tusk or chariots will give you a re-roll to the charge it's a hail mary but maybe one that i wouldn't want to bank my uh my battle tactic on for a re-rolled nine inch charge you know if you're going to score this one and i really like it especially if you're doing something like i don't know all herd you would probably summon on in the turn before the the one that you want to use it so you're really setting this up you put the troops on the board um because and then the next turn you then move those units into contest now it's probably worth calling out that it they only have to be contesting as long as you control it it could it could be claimed um with other troops and they're just a part of the contesting of the um more bodies on the objective but yeah just keep in mind i probably wouldn't hail mary this from the side uh unless you're super confident or you got some cooked dice probably the most exciting part for me was the fact that beasts of chaos armies have now gained access to five additional monstrous rampages in addition to the ones like stomp raw titanic jewel and smash to rubble you haven't lost smash to rubble you haven't lost stomp um they're still available for selection but you are going to have some extra ones to choose from. Now, uh, some of them are tied to monsters, and we'll kind of go through that in a minute. But I do want to call out some very sneaky list teching that I saw through the Discord, and that is they had mentioned that you are going to ignore Hunters of the Heartland. Now, I initially asked my Beast Lords, and I said, what on earth are you talking about here? Why is it that you're avoiding Hunters of the Heartland? Because it doesn't explicitly say that you ignore Hunters of the Heartland. And what I found really interesting is the wording of these upcoming monstrous rampages are self-buffs. While if you look at Hunters of the Heartland, Hunters of the Heartland talk about them not being impacted, right? So if I had a unit of Phoenix Guard, they can't be roared at. They can't be stomped at. Well, you know what I mean? So, um, they, so the opponent's not going to be affected, great but your monsters will still be able to be benefited. So keep that in mind, you sneaky beast lords. Very sneaky indeed. The first one is a more generic one, but one that I'm sure you'll appreciate, and that is Primal Roar. And you get to roll a dice. On a roll of a one, nothing happens. On a roll of a two to a five, um, you receive one primordial call summoning point. Okay, that's nice. On a roll of a six, you're gonna roll, you're gonna get three primordial call points. So what makes this interesting being self-buffs is that these monstrous rampages don't require you to be within combat. So traditionally, when you look at like Stomp and Roar and Titanic Jewel, you need to be in range of the, the um, enemy unit in order to conduct the monstrous rampage. But when you look at the wording of Primordial Call, it doesn't say that you've got to be within range of an enemy. So what it means to you, though, is it means that your Shagoth could be sitting on a herdstone protecting it with your grand strategy, casting Hailstorm, and then using the Monstrous Rampage to generate those primordial core points. Now, you can double down on that if you go herd, uh, All Herd, and you get that plus one summoning point um, should you take the All Herd sub-allegiance. So think about, you know, using that command ability, and, you know, it could be the difference to get that sweet 10 points to summon on a, a Gorgon or a Chimera, 
or something else that you've wanted on maybe earlier into the game. So um, I really like that one and it definitely adds some real value into something like, again, a Shagoth. Feast on Flesh is only available to Gorgons and you only get to use them once per game. So if you have multiple Gorgons, it means you can use them multiple times, but obviously one Gorgon once only per game. Now, if you activate Feast on Flesh, it does allow you to increase the Ren characteristic of the of this melee's weapons by one until the following combat phase. So think about the stacking of the Herdstone getting Ren minus two plus an extra Ren minus one. So that's, we're, now, we're now at Ren minus three on top of the different melee attacks and the Ren that's already sitting there. So we're in Ren minus four, Ren minus five territory, maybe even Ren minus six if we start casting spells on the Gorgon. But in addition, while you've got Feast on Flesh activated, until the following combat phase, each time that Gorgon slays an enemy model, it is going to heal a wound equal to the wound characteristics of the slain model, which is pretty sexy when you think about going into, let's say, I don't know, Chaff. Maybe you don't want to use Feast on Flesh on Chaff because you would heal a lot of one wound or potentially two wounds um, to your Gorgon. Or maybe you go in and absolutely pull down a, a 10 wound or greater hero you know you've got ren minus four or five or something you go in absolutely slay this model and you then fully heal up with your gorgon now that's pretty cool because then it kind of keeps going down and it might mean that your opponent is focusing on the gorgon to pull it down while your um, bulgors and other more hammer or anvil type units aren't being pinged off and maybe they're not even focusing on your herdstone so very very cool ability definitely one that i think if people aren't running gorgons they are now adding them to their list this actually might even bring me on to bring in two gorgons so feast on flesh love this one devour spell is for cygors only and when you pick the monstrous rampage you get to choose one endless spell within six inches of the model and roll 2d6 if the roll exceeds the casting value of the summoned spell, you are going to remove the endless spell, so you dispel it off the table, and heal the amount of wounds equal to the 2d6 roll, which is awesome. If you roll a 12 or an 11 on that, that essentially a dispel roll, you're going to heal that 11 or 12 or that really high roll. So if you are already bringing a Saigor into your list, then you're going to love this monstrous rampage. Would I bring a Saigor specifically because of this rule? No way. They're underwhelming to me and they provide minimal threats. And with third edition, we're seeing less endless spells than in previous editions. If this was in second edition and when we had most armies running two, three, at some times like six or seven endless spells, gets I'm looking at you, it definitely would be cool in second edition. In third edition right now where the meta's at, I probably wouldn't bring this in unless I was already running Cygors. While he healing your monster sounds awesome, especially when you can heal it up to full, I think the consistency of being able to eat an endless spell is probably slim right now. So I probably wouldn't bank my strategy on this. Entropic Miasma is only for Jabberslice, and when you pick up the Monstrous Rampage, you pick one enemy hero within three inches of the model, and you roll a dice. If you roll a 1, nothing happens. On a roll of a 2 to a 5, it worsens the save characteristics of that hero by 1. Now, it does have a caveat that it is up to a maximum, a minimum of 6, so you can't get it to a point of no save. Obviously, then Ren kicks in as well and kind of will, will impact that. But um, 
you are going to reduce the save characteristic. Should you happen to roll a six on that dice roll, it would reduce the, the hero's save characteristic by two instead of one, again to a minimum of six until the following combat phase. Now, before you get too excited and look up the Jabba Slythe rules in your battle tome, I do want to remind you that the Jabba Slythe got a War Scroll update in Broken Realms Kragnos. And when I looked at the War Scroll, I didn't think the attack profile was that hot. I knew people in the old War Scroll that would roll two or maybe even three Jabba Slice in their list. It used to do a, a lot more damage out there. But right now, I think you're seeing a lot of damage come out of the Jabba Slice through when it dies and it does like splashback mortal wounds. I think it's on a four plus with the bile, bile blood. It does damage in melee. But again, I love the idea. If you're loving Jabba Slice, you do you. Run those Jabba Slice to your heart's content. I might keep mine in total war. Um, these are cool. Again, would I would I bring in a, a Jabba Slice because of this monstrous rampage? Probably not. But the one that I run really sexy is the Chimera, which is a Thricefold Savagery. Again, only for Chimeras, not for any other type of monster. And when you carry out this monstrous rampage, you get to add one to the attack characteristic of this model's melee weapons, but it must focus on the same model. So you can't split the attacks for the Chimera if you activate Thricefold Savagery. Now, this is hot when you remember that the unwounded Chimera has a base rend of minus three on the avian head. And so when the herdstone's going up, you're up to rend minus five in turn three. Then you start thinking about Thricefold Savagery and getting four additional attacks across the profile, not obviously on the avian head, but just it's got four different attack profiles. Then some of the other abilities to buff it up. I think the Chimera is a great summoning option. I probably wouldn't put it in my list, but I would definitely summon it on the table. And especially if you're using Primal Raw to kind of get those Primordial Core points up, and maybe even if you've got All, all Herd to get the extra points to summon, I think the, the plus two to the charge also makes it really nice if you bring it on from the side of the board, because then a nine-inch charge becomes seven. Um, it could be one of those ones that you you bring in for the battle tactic we talked about previously. So I think the Chimera, if you don't already own one, was something that I would definitely go out and pick up because I think it's a really good option for competitive play Beast of Chaos. I'll be honest, I think this is the most exciting White Dwarf supplement I have seen in Age of Sigma 3. Initially, I got really excited by Sons of Behemoth getting a new War Scroll Battalion, uh, bosses, bosses of the Stop. Um, I got really excited by the Cities of Sigma getting mount traits where I could bring, you know, a dead free guild uh, general on Griffin back on a two plus with a couple of wounds. That was really cool. This is another level. People used to joke about Beasts of Chaos being like on the bottom tier of the meta. Really crap. I think you're about to surprise a lot of people and you are certainly in a very strong position based on these new rules. I've already added a lot of commentary through the video. The Herdstone War Scroll rewrite is an absolute win across the board. Yes, you did lose some Battleshock immunity, but in its place is a very fair uh, compensation with the half models fleeing. And a lot of Battleshock immunity is being removed from 3rd edition, but you're also getting this free Ren minus 1 or Ren minus 2 with literally no condition. Like it's just board wide. So. I think it's going to be fascinating to see where these high-rend beasts do in this safe static stacking meta. 
you are seeing a lot of two up three up armor saves and relying on a ward save because your your rend is so high um those two up armor saves are just not going to cut it anymore so i think it's going to be fascinating to see what it does to armies like stormcast for example uh, any soul black grave lords are running around with um you know your uh blood knights or even you know you know some of these monster heroes that are on three ups and four ups or even you know two ups you, you're just gonna you're just gonna smash them the grand strategy is probably one that i think is going to be easy to achieve and it's a solid alternative if you want to avoid some of the um the traditional ones or if our battle packs change in general's handbook 2022 and there's nothing attractive to you this could be a good one i think the battle tactics are an interesting one i think um the fury of the wild might be my favorite one um if especially if you want to get into the scrap of combat so long as you have a fighty general and i think you're to keep that in mind who is it you're picking as your general are they going to get into the scrap and can they hold their own early on in combat i think the big win after the herdstone is going to be that monstrous rampage because it provides serious buffs to your monsters and it will potentially create an incentive for you to start bringing monsters especially maybe some of those monsters that have been collecting dust on your shelf i mentioned the cygore i mentioned the jabba slice the um the chimera for example you haven't really seen too many of those in second or even third edition and while they might not be the most competitive options chimera aside i think chimera and the gorgon are very attractive offerings right now but your cygore your jabba slice models might you might want to put them back on the table and start playing with them around because there is some stuff in there but certainly if i was building a tailored list they probably wouldn't be at the top of my choices right now the great thing here on the channel is that we've got plenty of beasts of chaos chats coming up i've certainly got one already locked in with matt newen who went four and one at the lvo um one of the biggest tournaments we've had for a long time now 200 odd players or almost 200 players and he went four and one with the beasts of chaos before this magazine came out and i'm sure uh he's wondering could he have gone five and oh if he had this magazine maybe one month sooner than it came out but also i'll i'll look at some other chats like you know joel mcgrath the beast lord he's been a, a staple in this channel since first edition talking about beasts of chaos i'll make sure we invite him onto the channel but hey let me know i'm curious to hear from you beasts of chaos fans what do you think of the white dwarf issue is there any particular rules that have changed the way that you've built your lists uh leave it in the comment section and don't forget i do have a dedicated beast of chaos uh chat in the discord server. So if you want to talk list tech you got any questions about some of the rules and how it might interact with certain monsters or heroes or whatever it might be highly recommend you come join us but hey hope you enjoyed this and i hope beast lords you're excited to get goat Thanks for sticking around until the end. I hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would appreciate it if you hit like on the video as well as left me a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below. The conversation will continue over on Discord, so link is down below in the episode description if you want to join the Discord and continue the Age of Sigmar conversation. I want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends, these champions who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is going directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more sixes.